Great. And so I'm going to bring the reading from John uh, chapter 21, verses 1 to 14. Um, I'll just give you a moment to find that. And just to concur with Tim, I was also in here live worshipping. It is just brilliant. So looking forward to seeing you next week. So John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Afterwards, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, also known as Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples didn't realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple who, whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, for he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were, for they were not far from the shore, about a hundred meters. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals, and there were, there were fish on it, and some bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Okay, I'm going to hand over to Tim. Amazing. Thank you very much. If you've got that open on your smartphone or tablet or your good old-fashioned book, uh, then I'm going to just look at one verse in that reading, which I've picked because we had it this morning and the last, the final a uh, bit of the Come Dine With Us series. If you haven't tuned into them, they're, they're all on our YouTube channel. Why don't you just check into one or two of those? They, they have been fantastic. Cara, our um, self-supporting uh, curate, and Hannah, our children's and family minister here, they've done an amazing job, uh, really have. And this was Breakfast on the Beach with Jesus this morning. So I've taken this. But I just want to look at verse 11. In fact, even just the second half of verse 11 here. This is a post-resurrection um, little story. The disciples seeing the risen Jesus and uh, they've been fishing all night. They come ashore and um, Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. And Jesus says, what a great invitation. Look at verse 12. Come and have breakfast. It's a it's like a, a very familiar meal, but in a brand new way. This is the meal of the kingdom. This is uh, breakfast like you've never known it before. So, so let's pray. I, I want to just offer one or two thoughts uh, on this passage um, this evening. 
and particularly from this verse. Father, speak to us. We thank you so much for the inspiration of your spirit in John as he put together this gospel. Teach us now and um, kind of open up our, our vista, open up of when we've been, you know, in lockdown, we've been sort of August, it's been kind of foot off the pedal. And as we're looking towards September and beyond, Lord, we recognize you are the God of miracles, of huge catches of fish when there's been nothing all night. You, Lord, are the one who usher in the kingdom into our lives. And we, we want to say we're ready, we're positioned, we're open, we're willing. So teach us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just, just John never wastes any opportunities in his gospel. He, he's kind of put it all together deliberately. So when you come across something that's, that strikes you as a little bit odd or interesting or mm, makes you think, it's probably there for a reason. So verse 11, I just this little detail. Um, you know, they see Jesus, they go, and they say, where's the Lord? No, and they sort of drop everything, and they run ashore, and then they, oh, hang on, we caught all these fish. And so they drag the fish uh, ashore. And uh, John tells us it was full of large fish, these nets, 153. <laughs> like, like, they counted all the fish they caught. 150 it's not even like a pro oh it was around about 150 or if they were evangelists well it was about a thousand and you know no exactly they've they've counted exactly i'm like seriously seriously have you ever tried to count fish that are still living just flapping around for one two just stay still no idea how on earth i don't know i don't know that's the detail john doesn't give us but there's 153 fish and so of course all the commentators are in a real frenzy as to why on earth John should put that little detail in there. I mean, what, why is the number of fish significant when surely it's the risen Lord Jesus and the disciples' response? That's the detail, isn't it? That's what we should focus on. But John wants us to see this catch, 153 fish. Well, what's all that about? Um, well, the commentators say, look, they would have counted the fish because um, it, basically you got paid in kind. So it was such a large cash. You want to make sure that, that everyone who was part of it gets their fair share. So what's their fair share? Well, you've got to count them out. Sure, that makes sense. If there's sort of, you know, a couple of dozen, sure. But such a large number, that would have been quite a job. But that's what's behind actually counting out the fish. But why, why does John put it in his gospel account? Why do we need to know this now? As a theologian in the um, fourth and fifth century, Cyril of Alexandria, I've, I've just, uh, my friend's just died a bit, but no, there we are, there's a picture of him. Um, Alexandria in modern day Egypt, that's North Africa, so I can virtually guarantee he would not have looked like that. In the whole Black Lives Matter movement and as it challenges the church, we need to continue to challenge ourselves. Cyril would not have had white skin and a long beard like that. It, he would have had curly hair. He would have had olive skin, at least, if he, if he wasn't actually black in, in skin color. Come on, church. Come on, theologians. Come on, all of us with white privilege. Let's do better than that. Anyway... Cyril, who, was, by the way, had a massive brain, huge theologian, helped us to think through a lot of our, our Christology, our understanding of Christ and the Spirit. And here's his theory, 153. He, I reckon he'd have been good on countdown because he basically broke down 153 into 150 and 3. 100 is the perfect number for God's people. 
So when Jesus told the story of the, the farmer who had a hundred sheep, like he had every, and then he loses the sheep. Ah, oh, it's not perfect. He, he needs to find the sheep to bring it back to perfection, a hundred. Or when the sower sows the seed and the, the ideal, the kind of heaven-blessed crop is 30, 60, a hundred times. So a so, um, hundred fish donates, yes, this is exactly what God intended for his people perfection, the, the fullness of all his people. 50, Cyril told us, symbolizes the Gentile inclusion. So Jesus has come not just for his own, for the house of Israel, he's also come for the others. The outsiders are included in. And there's a message for us and a challenge for us there. So that takes us to 150. And then three, Cyril reminds us, is of course the Trinity, which is the, the perfect relationship so you've got the perfect people the perfected people of God including all those from outside who are gathered and grafted in and they are held together by the trinity of love so 100 plus 50 plus 3 153 and, and John wants us to sort of see that symbolism that's what Cyril is arguing others have argued that um, actually uh, back then when they tried to categorize all the animal kingdom, they had come up with 153 different types of fish. In the known world then, there were, I'm sure there are way more now, we need David Attenborough to help us on that one. But back then, 153. So the, the symbolism there is that, that as every single fish is caught up in the net, so in the, the net of God's love and grace, in the, in the net of God's kingdom, it's his intention that every single person should be caught up in his love and grace. There's no discrimination. There's no cliques. There's no outsiders. There's no othering. We are all included, every single one. And that's what others argue is significant about the 153 just hold that thought as we look at one other thing that's, that's interesting in this um, account. And particularly if you're familiar with the account of the, the large catch of fish in Luke chapter 5, where, do you remember, um, Simon Peter signals to his friends, according to Luke, come and help me, because in, in this instance, the nets were beginning to break. And John is at, at, at pains here to point out, this, again, this little detail. Um, they, they pull the, drag the net ashore, verse 11, it was full of large fish, 153, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Again, we've got the risen Lord Jesus, who, by the way, there's been no catch of fish at night, and the very first the night is just easing away, and dawn is breaking, and there's Jesus with a fire, and on the fire, we heard read there, what's he got? Fish. Like the fishermen can't catch any fish, but Jesus is cooking fish on the foot. Where did he get the fish from? How did they arrive? Don't know. John doesn't tell us. It, it's just that if Jesus can overcome death, he can rustle up a few fish for breakfast. That's basically what he's saying. And, and here we are with this extraordinary catch, and the net is not torn. Augustine, another uh, of Hippo, by the way, that is also in North Africa. So if you see any pictures or monographs of, of Augustine with a white face, nah! He was olive-skinned at the very least, if not black, and one of the greatest theologians the church has ever produced. And Augustine wanted to remind us through this that the, the, John is saying the symbolism of the net represents the church. And that as God seeks to bring his kingdom and invite everyone into his kingdom on earth, the, the net is 
the church that will gather and hold all of those peoples and nations and tribes from everywhere across the globe, the, the 153, as it were, will be held by the church and the church will not break. It's God's intention that the, the church is able to cope with all those different fish. That we, the church, are created and mandated. I, I believe it is our obligation to ensure that we welcome every single person into the family of God, the body of Christ. And God will enable us to do that. It, it will feel a bit uncomfortable. It, it, it will feel fish slapping around all over the place. It's, maybe it doesn't sound like the most ideal place to be. But as we walk in the ways of God, as we allow God to be known by him and then invite others to be known by him too, as we include everyone in, it will, it will feel right. It will feel good. It will feel part of God's kingdom here on earth. That is, I believe, what God is calling us to, to refresh. So it's nothing new here, really. It's just, I think, a season for us to refresh what God has always been calling us to do. The 153 in the net not torn are little details from John to remind us that everyone is included and we will cope as, as the inevitable change in this next season comes about. It changes because we'll gather in the building, but we'll be wearing these face masks because members of the congregation are required so to do. And we can't sing out loud and we have to keep our distance. We can't go and hug everyone. So it will feel different, but it will feel so good because we're in a new season where God is doing something amongst us and amongst our community. He's bringing Will and, and Louis uh, among the, the rest of us on the team and those of you who lead uh, ministries in all sorts of other ways in this church and beyond. And uh, I think that's going to catalyze in different ways uh, our ministry and mission, our, our love, our reach to those who we don't yet see amongst us but who live uh, as neighbours and friends around here. I think of the volunteers um, over the summer who've been helping with the NHS. They've loved being in here. They, many of them have lived in this area for several years and yet they'd never set foot inside this building. They, they didn't realise that the, the church was kind of for them. And they've had some kind of a welcome of they, as they've been working uh, doing the PPE packs here, part of the NHS thing. And we, I want to pray that as we slightly recalibrate the timing, particularly in the, on a Sunday morning, the timing of our services, and create space in that late morning uh, leading up to lunch in due course once COVID restrictions and so on are, are, are lifted. I, I hope we can create in this living space, space to live. Uh, I've been chatting with Will, that's, that's his, I don't want to think that, that's his idea. Um, but just if we can put on uh, little courses maybe, a teaching, if we can create um, space to live, space for people to engage and encounter God and engage with him and with one another. That's, that's the vision, that 153, everyone might be included in a net that will not break, but will hold them all I'm excited about this next season. Just very, if I, I'm coming into land, as they say, or as I say, um, in September, starting next week, we would just spend a, a few weeks with something very familiar, um, which is our mission statement, 
to grow mission-minded disciples who live for Jesus wherever they are, but it will be applied quite differently because the context in which we live is quite different. So we'll, we'll look at that afresh and what it means for us now in the second half of 2020 and beyond. And then uh, through the autumn term, we're going to be looking at ways in which we can pay attention to, our, to the life of Christ in us so that we can live well and, and vital lives for our sake and for the sake of others so that we can make a difference uh, within this building and within this community uh, and beyond. So I, I'm really excited at what the Lord has got for us as we begin to gather back in person in the building. I really encourage you to, to, to check out the email, uh, go online, sign up um, via the, the instructions on 60 Seconds. Get yourself here in good time so that we can join in the journey that God has for us in this next season. Let's pause for a moment just to digest this tiny little morsel, if you like, from this uh, miracle, the post-resurrected Jesus and his disciples. A sign that he's at work in miraculous ways. And an encouragement that he wants to use you and me. He wants to use all of us as part of his plans and purposes in this next season. Let's, let's pause for a moment. We're going to worship in just a, a few seconds, but just for now. I'd encourage you to, to kind of pay attention to that capacity and kind of vision and, and kind of inner energy that God gives us in different times and different seasons. If we've just been pausing a little bit over August, maybe, just a slight shift in pace, intensity, as we head into September and autumn, and all that lies ahead. I invite you now just to ask the Lord by his spirit, how does he want to use you? Who's he calling you to draw alongside? Maybe colleagues at work, maybe a housemate or a neighbor. Is there a fresh emphasis that he's calling you to focus on. Maybe there's something he's calling you just to put down or to lay aside. Something that gnaws away at you, something that fills your, your waking thoughts that's become a distraction. It, it was for a previous season. Maybe it's for a future season, but it isn't for this season coming. Is there, is there space God is wanting to create in your life? so that you're ready to catch fish. You're ready to be part of the net. You're ready to play your part in God's plans and purposes in this next season. I want to just turn this um, uh, response into 
into sung worship. I'm going to invite Connor to come and, and uh, lead us again in worship. And uh, maybe either just allow Connor to worship and minister to you, or you may want to join in. But let's, let's keep this space uh, and this time for your dedication, the dedication of yourself to God as you look for his fresh inspiration, energy, guidance into this new season.